live in Augusta on the campus of Payne College. And alongside Jack Nicholas and Gary Player, you were one of the honorary starters for this year's Masters. Why did you decide to say yes this year to being a starter? And what does Augusta National mean to you? Well, anytime you, you ask to be a starter at Augusta National, you can't pass that up. Uh, you know, especially after I had qualified uh, in 1975 to play here for the first time. And when the chairman asked me to be an honorary starter, I thought that was a wonderful thing, you know, because there are a lot of people uh, that he could have asked and could have been there in, in my place. After Arnold Palmer passed away, I felt that uh, it would be a good chance for me to uh, to get a situation like that. And uh, so when he asked me, I jumped at it right away because I knew how much I had wanted to play at Augusta and also to have someone ask you to come and perform in a situation like that. It was far superior to anything that I have have accomplished in the game of golf. Let's go back to, you know, one of the questions that people always ask or will ask is why did you decide to pursue a career in professional golf when there were so few black golfers playing at the time you started your professional career? Well, I I didn't look at it that way. And I didn't look at how many black golfers that we had uh, on the tour or playing, uh, attempting to get on the tour. I had uh, become involved in a game that I loved from following my brother to the golf course. That's how I started in Dallas, Texas. And and right away, I just uh, decided that, hey, this is a good time for me to perhaps pursue a career or something that I love. And I think that was the reason why I went that way. And furthermore, the reason why I did was because there was only one black player on the tour at the time. So I felt that it was a good chance for me to go out and, and be a part of it and to perhaps accompany him in any way that I could because I knew how hard it probably uh, were for him to be out there playing and no one to converse with, especially <laughs> of his color. Yeah. You know, you were the first black man to play in the Masters, but you weren't the first black golfer to travel a tour. As we reflect on your career, talk about those black golfers like Charlie Sifford and Clyde Martin who helped pave the way for you. And when you come across those golfers, what was their advice to you as you were navigating the tour? Well, I played, I, I had my teacher was one of the first black golfers to play on the tour, Ted Rose from Nashville, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. He played before Charlie, uh, before any of the other. He was the first to play. The re- and I think the reason why he did not get the recognition today was because uh, they did not look at it that way uh, at that particular time. But as years began to go on, and the majority of the players that uh, uh, came out after Teddy, Teddy didn't didn't play long on the tour simply because he was very sick most of the time. And he was a man that really paved the way. For Charlie, for myself, for Pete Brown, for everybody that have come out of the black race to play on the on the tour. But Charlie was certainly the one that really took all the runs and had the, had the biggest fight. And the reason why that was because he was the first to, to be a regular on the PGA Tour. And I'm sure that he had a lot of hard time 
he didn't discuss a lot of things with me, but he didn't have to because I went through pretty much the same thing. Of course, it was a little bit easier because he had played in those places where I was able to go and play. You know, one of the first notable black golfers kind of outside of the sport was boxing icon Joe Lewis. Was Joe Lewis instrumental in introducing a generation of black golfers to the game that otherwise wouldn't have been knowing of it or, or playing it? Well, Ted Rose was Joe Lewis' teacher. <laughs> I traveled with uh, I traveled with Joe and Ted for quite some time. We came along in the era of the of the Joe Lewis, the Sugar Ray Robinson, the Bill Eckstein's, and those type of people. Those were the people that really helped us get established as far as monetarily was concerned. So if if it had not been for for Joe Lewis, that would have been a lot of. Uh, it would have took a much longer time for us to really integrate most of those golf courses because there were several times in tournaments where we wanted to try to get into the tournament, and they said, well, we're not going to let all of you play. We'll let a couple of you play. And they always selected Joe Lewis and Teddy or Joe Lewis and Charlie or whomever the best black golfer they felt were at that time. Since we're in Augusta, Talk about just for people who may not know, I don't know how you don't know, but let's say some people don't know, how big is the Masters? And then reflect on how difficult it was for a black golfer to both qualify and compete in the Masters when you were the first to do so in 1975. Well, it's tough. It was tough because what happened was they had a point system established at the Masters for qualifying. A point system means that you had to accumulate enough points over two years in order to get to, to come and play. I think the reason why that that it uh, it finally got to the point to where we were able to qualify was after the after the nineteen sixty nine when Charlie Sifford won the last golf tournament. You know, I was the first to play, but really Pete Brown was the first black to that should have been there. He should have played much sooner than that. In 1965, Pete Brown won the Waco Turner Open. Oh, wow. And was not, and was not invited. In 1967, Charles Sifford won the Sammy Davis Jr. Greater Hartford Open and was not invited. In 69, Charles Sifford again won the 69 Los Angeles Open and was not invited. Well, I think that was, uh, all because of the fact of the pawn system. If you don't accumulate enough points, you're not going to, get invited the next year anyway. So I felt that it was really a situation to where Chairman Roberts just did not want a black player. In 1972, I won the Nigerian Open in Lagos, Nigeria. That had exempted a lot of the players that had won that tournament, got an invitation to the master. But again, that's going back to the master. When they asked Cliff Roberts, why I did not receive an invitation. He said that I was a black American who had won a foreign event that exempted only foreign players. So it was a, it was tough. It was tough because he always seemed to find a way to get around. When I first arrived here in 1975, he met me at the clubhouse entrance, but he had made a statement that he had sent a limo to pick me up at the airport. Uh, that was not true because I flew in from Greensboro, North Carolina, 
uh, my doctor, Dr. Philip Smith, and I took a plane from, from there about 10 o'clock the next morning. But getting away from that, it was a situation to where he was determined that, and he made the statement that no black would ever play at Augusta as long as he was chairman. So, well, I, I hope they send you a limo this week. They owe you a limo to come pick you up and bring you on over there then. Well, I have a couple. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about it, what it was like for you, the young black golfers of your era, people like you, Calvin, Pete, and Pete Brown, to travel the PGA circuit and have to play in so many segregated venues where there was open hostility towards black golfers at every turn. Well, I think that everybody knows how tough uh, it was to play on the, on the tour and, and, and during that time in the early, early part of the years. No matter who you were or how well you played, it was a situation that it was not gonna, it was not, you were not gonna play at places where they didn't like, well, where they had problems with black and they had that all over the place. But I think what happened is that as we began to play better and accumulate better scores and things, I think they kind of eased it down because they saw that we were a threat for winning. Mm -hmm. And I think that was the reason why they kind of opened up. I know in 1970, just a couple of years after the assassination of Dr. King, I was in Memphis, Tennessee, and I was leading the golf tournament going to the 15th hole. And I hit a, a good drive down the middle of the fairway. Uh, someone from over outside the road jumped the fence, came in, took the ball and threw it out in the street. Mm. So by the time we got down to where the ball was supposed to have been, nobody in the gallery seemed to want to say what had happened. But anyway, to make a long story short, when the tournament supervisor came down and asked what happened, no one said, well, just so happened that the two players that I was playing with, one was Tommy Aaron and the other was Terry Deal. So they asked Tom Aaron if he had saw what had happened. He said he was over getting some water. So Terry Deal spoke up and said, the wall was approximately right here. And somebody had to get, get the ball and throw it away. Anyway, I got a drop. So it was a lot of heckling. Did it cost you a stroke? Uh, no. Okay. Because uh, we had a witness of him. But anyway, it was a lot of heckling and name called as we played on and you just want that nigga to win the tournament, so many things like that. Then, after we finished, I understand that they got uh, several calls at the clubhouse that if I won the tournament, I'd never leave, I'd never leave Memphis. So the next day, I played on the police armed guard, the 18th hole, the, uh, the 18th hole the last day. I finished second in the tournament. I shot 70, Dave Hill shot 65 today, the last round and won the tournament. So, but I've, those never, the I've never heard that story a day before in my life. I mean, those are the stories that are so important. I mean, that's an amazing story. And you still finished second. Yes. I shot 70 and he shot 65 and he won. He beat me by a shot. But it was a, it was an amazing thing because Ted Rose, my instructor, was there. And he was uh, ailing pretty bad. Ted, uh, Ted wasn't uh, wasn't feeling too well because 
they had diagnosed him with cancer, so but he was there at, at Memphis, willing to walk and watch me play. And then on Sunday, I asked him not to come back because I felt it was just too much, too much for him. And they wouldn't give him a card. Of course, they wouldn't give anybody a card at that time, but they certainly weren't going to give no black player a card. So that's pretty much the situation of the incidents that really uh, was most notable in my career. As we began to, began to play more and more on the tour, things began to subside a little bit because we had more players coming on the tour, like Calvin Pete, like Jim Dan. So many people that really, uh, I mean, so many players that really had a chance. And they did uh, a lot of great playing. I mean, these guys really, and I knew what they was up against because I had been through it. So my hat is certainly off to them and their wonderful success that they had. I just wish they could have won many more tournaments. But, you know, as you look back over the record, you look like you look at a player like Calvin P, who won more golf tournaments in a shorter period of time of anyone on the tour. He won 12 golf tournaments in the, in the short span of the years that he played on the tour. So... I, well, just, I mean, on, this, on, the, on the theme of winning, fast forward to the Masters in 1997. For black pioneers like you, what did the victory of Tiger Woods mean to you personally to see a black man finally prevail at the Masters? Well, I, I had been at Augusta and, and had watched Tiger progress as an amateur the two years that he played prior to, to winning. And I made a statement to the press after the 90s, after the 90s year that he would certainly win a golf tournament before because I had noticed the golf the type of club that he was in hitting into those greens and I knew that if he continued to improve year after year and learn more about Augusta National that he was going to be successful and he was and I was there when he won after embracing his dad he came to me and we embraced because that morning before he teed off I went to him and we had a had a little talk on the at the back of the uh, golf course. I mean the the practice ring, and I said to him that this would be probably one of the hardest days that he would have because of him being so far out front mm -hmm. that he had to keep his mind on the business. So he did, and he was successful. And 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 the next day. Our picture appeared on just about every magazine around the country. You know, golf is still largely a, a participated and played by white athletes, even at the Tiger Woods emergence. Why haven't we seen another black golfer emerge in a meaningful way since Tiger? And what can we do to get more people of color involved in the game? Well, that's a good question because every time I, I say something that needs to be done, you know, it always seemed to go in the opposite direction. <laughs> well, say it again. We're going to go in your direction this time. <laughs> say it again. We certainly need more players on the tour. The, right now, the expense is so great uh, that I think financially they just, they're just not prepared right now. I think they need to have more financial success so it can have them play much at a much easier pace. And plus the fact you have to have the game. You can't just come out and play on the tour without having a game. 
you have to work at the game. You have to have the game. You have to be dedicated. Yeah. And and that's the one thing that I think that all of the black golfers that are going to come on the tour now uh, have to be have a little more dedication. And I think you will see that in the future. You know, we've seen programs like First Tee and HBCUs like Howard and Morehouse expand their golf offerings. And recently we've had the Lee Elder Golf Scholarship here at Payne College in Augusta where we sit today. You know, what more should the golfing profession do to invest in its future? And what do you want to see when you talk about your legacy? What do you want that to be? Well, I think what we have to do is to have more people have have a have a tendency to try to back a situation like what Augusta National did for Payne College. By talk about talk about that relation that HBCU relationship between Payne, your experience, and Augusta National. Well, I'm my my experience with uh, with that, I'm just coming into it. This is my this is the first year of me being involved in this, and I didn't know too much about uh, the HBC. I even though. Even though I coached the teams and helped the team somewhat during Shirley Lewis' administration. Oh, okay. After she left, yeah. after she left, I, I had, uh, didn't have too much more time with paint, with the Payne College team. But I think that what have to, ha- have to be done is that you have to have, uh, the participation of golfers, good recruiters, good coaches that's willing to work there, good administration. That has a willingness to go out and, and search for these, search for these young people. Go out and talk to them. Offer them something that they can, uh, be happy with to come to your school and play. And these are things that I don't see a lot of the, uh, a lot of the colleges going around doing because it's very easy. If you, if you have a golf team and you're going to play, uh, a lot of the, in a lot of the town that, that you go into different colleges, you certainly can see all of the talent, and if you have if you have enough uh, enough money set aside to where you can promise these kids or give these kids, offer these kids things to come and play at your at your college, you can do that. But you have to be careful because you can't go in and and just talk to a kid without getting permission. <laughs> so I think that's I think true. that's I think that's a lot of things. That's a a lot of things that are holding them back. But I, you have to, you have to have good recruitment, and you have to have good coaches, in order to. And that's what I'm going to be involved in, getting the colleges. I mean, getting the kids, and everybody, and all the team situated, and working with them, and seeing that uh, uh, we have a team that can do perhaps what Augusta State did to win the championship back to in back to back sequence years. And it's amazing to see it kind of come full circle because in 1975, you got invited to a reception right here on Payne College's campus. And now, you know, you have this this scholarship trying to improve the program here. I mean, that's going to be a part of just as much a part of your legacy as the 1975 Masters. Well, there's no doubt about that. That would be one of the top one that would be in there. Uh, all of that to Dr. Julian Scott, who at the time was president. And, and the incident that I had occurred here that, well, we tried to go in and eat uh, at a restaurant, and they refused us, so we couldn't find a place because I had 12 people with me, and we were trying to find that's a, some that's place. That's a big entourage now, yeah. Mr. Eldon. You were traveling pretty deep back then. <laughs> well, <laughs> I had a lot of friends that came with me from the Washington, D.C. area, 
and plus the fact that a lot of them came from the Los Angeles area. But to have a group like that to hug, that come and support you, you have to be happy. You know, you don't want to come here by yourself. You've been a loner for a long time. <laughs> yeah, and so, pain and pain welcomed you on campus. Yes, by all means, with great with great enthusiasm. Well, it's a pleasure to have you back today on campus. It's a pleasure to have you back at the Masters. And I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. I stand on your shoulders. I, they call me Tiger in the Woods uh, <laughs> when I play. I'm a, I'm a handicap that's pretty high, but I play because of people like you. So, Well, well thank you so very much. So you have to practice and be Tiger out of the woods. <laughs> Trust me, I practice enough. Thank you so much. Have a thank blessed you. day. Thank right. you for having me. It's been a great pleasure. All right. Thank you.